So um, the whole journey that we're on as, um, as a church this year, this is our 40th uh, anniversary, 40 years. My goodness. Does anybody here remember their 40th birthday? Yours is this year. Does anybody remember, Dave, do you remember your 40th birthday? No. Do you remember your 40th birthday? Did, did I do something special on my 40th birthday? Oh, the registration plate on my car. It was a 40th birthday present. So when you look at my car, you'll know that I'm over 40. There you go. So we are as a, as a church, and what we're, gonna, we're doing actually, it seems that we've had a number of different tries to do an anniversary Sunday, but what we're actually doing is just spreading it out and enjoying the fact that God has blessed us as a fellowship for these last 40 years and has a plan and a purpose for us. And um, we've got cake today, which is wonderful. We will have a meal when uh, Sally and the team are back uh, performing in the kitchen and um, we're just saying all the time, God, we are so thankful to your goodness and how you have had your hand upon us as a fellowship and uh, that he is continuing to build his church. So here we are um, on the first Sunday after Easter and the number 40 comes into this because there are 40 days of encounter that happen with Jesus having risen from the dead. And from his resurrection to his ascension, we have 40 days. And we're thinking of 40 years, where Jesus had 40 days. And in those 40 days, some amazing things happened. And I just wanted to pick up on one situation here that will help us to realize something about the desire that God has for deeper intimacy with him. That we would know that we are children of God, that we're called into a relationship with him, and that we are to walk with him. This is why I called this message today, Walk On By. And actually, it's not to walk on by and to remember that we're called to walk with the Lord. Scripture reminds us that we are to keep in step with the Spirit, which means then that we're not to be rushing ahead, looking over our shoulder, making sure that Holy Spirit is keeping up with us. We're not meant to be dragging behind, which means that we're going to miss out on so much that God has for us. You know, there's nothing worse than turning up late. And how many times have we turned up late and uh, missed stuff? I think that's one of the challenges for us as a, as a fellowship, as a, a body of God's people, is that when we come together as his church, when we join together to worship, there should be an expectation that we are going to be meeting with God and that he is going to be speaking to us and through us. You may have a cup of tea, cup of coffee and a well wedge of cake. Well, this wedge cake we're talking today. This is anniversary wedge cake. You may be having a conversation where what the Holy Spirit prompts you in your conversation with somebody may actually be the key that turns around 
a situation for somebody. My prayer is always that this place would always be a place of encounter, where we encounter God as we bring our worship, as he reveals more of himself to us, but also as we mingle with one another, as we spend time conversing with each other. It's only a short time that we are together, but those times would also be times where God uses our life experiences, our wisdom to share and to build up others. The encounter that I want to talk about this morning is an encounter with two Two who are on a road. They are coming out of Jerusalem. They're heading to a place called Emmaus. They are not the close circle disciples of Jesus. They are um, further back than the twelve. And they have heard. They have seen. They have encountered Jesus and they have followed the story through to his trial, his conviction, his death. And now they are picking up talk about a resurrection, a tomb being empty, women talking with angels. And they don't really know what to believe anymore. We pick up the story in Luke chapter 24. Now the same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened and they talked and discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. They asked, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. Lord, would you help us as we spend time in your word this morning to encounter you, that we may see you with greater clarity, that we may sense your presence right here with us, that we may hear your voice. What do you have for us today? In Jesus' name, amen. We've got no idea why they decided to head off to Emmaus and not hang around in Jerusalem. They were on the move and they meet somebody on the journey. And as a sense, as I reflected upon this piece of scripture this week, I'm, I'm very mindful of, of my own journey. There's, for these two, as they're moving from Jerusalem back to Emmaus, a seven-mile journey, and downcast, feeling somehow bereft of everything that was going on, and maybe even, in a sense, of a, a, a spiritual desert and that is desert land that they're walking through I remember spending time in the holy lands there's a lot of sand and dirt and brown well it is if you're there summertime and there they are walking feeling low and probably spiritually low 
And I don't know if you've ever felt spiritually low. We have our high points. We have those moments when we would say, you know, me and God were walking so closely together. I, I, I can just sense every leading of the Holy Spirit. I, I hear his voice. When I open the scriptures, I find God speaking to me directly. But then there are other times when we think, Lord, where are you? And just like these two on their journey to Emmaus, they are saying probably, what was all that about? We had hopes that Jesus was going to be the king, the ruler who was going to turn everything upside down. And it seems like that has not happened. And you may have found yourself at times wondering, where are you, Lord? What are you doing? You were once so close and you seemed so distant. Verse 18. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since this took place. In addition... Some of the, our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? So there's this encounter on the road. An encounter on the road which is a a testimony. These two are saying, we'd hoped for something and what we hoped for has not materialized. But what happens, I just think this is beautiful because there are times when we find ourselves feeling hopeless and then hope rises again as Jesus comes alongside. And we may say, God, you only speak to me through your word or God, you only speak to me through the sermons on a Sunday or God, you only speak to me through... There may be other ways that you feel that God only speaks. And then he does something and he flips it And he uses some other means to speak into your heart. For these two, they had an encounter. An encounter with Jesus himself. And this is beautiful. I love this this phrase here. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. How about that? To have Jesus himself, though they didn't realize it was Jesus, of course, start at the very, very beginning, talking about everything that has gone on. 
about Noah and his family saved from the flood. Talking about Abraham offering his son Isaac on Mount Moriah. About the true meaning of the Passover. About how each part of the tabernacle, that traveling uh, place of worship, directs specifically all the time towards Jesus. How Jesus would have said, although they didn't know it was Jesus, who the prophecies were pointing towards from Isaiah or Daniel or Zechariah. Jesus would have spoken of, of thousands of years of encounter that were all pointing towards what had just happened in Jerusalem. And he says these words, doesn't he? He says, uh, you know, how foolish are you? And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. What an amazing situation to find yourself in the presence of Jesus explaining the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. But you see, that is the same encounter that happens for us each time we open the word of God. You see, when you have your devotional time, you may have a devotional time, but I'm just supposing you have a devotional time. And the key thing about it is that when you open the word of God and the word of God is before you, that's the point where you invite Holy Spirit to be your teacher. You say, Lord... As I sit before you this morning, as I read your word, will you come? Will you illuminate? Will you share with me those things that I need to know right here, right now, that I will be molded and shaped to be more like your son, my saviour, Jesus? It's what we can get because we've got the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit will meet with us as we open God's word and he will help us to understand. Some people turn around and say, yeah, but it's okay, I've got a study Bible, I've got all my references, or I've got a, uh, a library full of commentaries. And I have reference Bibles, study Bibles, and commentaries. But nothing is better than God himself revealing to you, speaking to you from his word. When you take time and spend time in his word and he starts to bring it alive. The resources of other writers and scholars, fantastic. I don't belittle them at all. But the one who wrote it is our best guide for our understanding. As they approached the village, oh, I love these verses. These are my favorite ones. Let's look at this. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. Let me read that again. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly to stay with them. Will you stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in and stayed with them. Here's the key. Oh, this is what we're revolving around here this morning. This is what we've got to get hold of. They have just heard all about Jesus. Jesus has unpacked 
the Old Testament for them as they're walking along. And that could have been enough. But here in these verses, we are told that they weren't happy with hearing. No, they didn't want to hear about the Messiah as being good enough. They wanted an experience of the presence of the Messiah. Will you come with us? Will you stay with us? Here's the key for each and every one of us. Let's not be satisfied with head knowledge. We can have all the facts and all the figures. Let's not be satisfied with that. Let us desire an encounter with God. There's often talk about the fact that God is with us. Absolutely. He is Emmanuel. God with us. But you know there are times as we go through scripture where there is a manifold presence. There is a... A cloud, I suppose, of, I just see it as a concentration of the awareness of the presence of God. Have you ever been anywhere where you just walk in and you think, God is here? I'm going to ask that as a question that gets a response, right? Have you ever been anywhere where you've walked in and you felt, this place is holy? Yeah? Yeah? I can remember reading a brilliant book a number of years ago all about this place in Wales. It's a retreat center called Faldebrennen. And uh, the guy who wrote the book, whose name has just gone off out of my mind, talked about the little chapel. And this little chapel in this little conference center in the middle of nowhere seemed to have a tangible presence of God. And when people used to come, and there's one testimony in this book that talks about the fact that uh, um, a husband and wife came to have a retreat in this place. And the wife was the spiritual one. She was seeking uh, an encounter with God and, and desiring a developing of her, her relationship with the Lord. And the husband was just the driver. He, he, he um, do you know, keep the God stuff, love. You can have that. And, and I'm just going to come away to a lovely place in Wales and I'll go walking in the hills. And uh, whilst you do your prayer and your Bible reading and your fellowshipping, I'll just go off and, and walk around the hills. So that was great. So they turn up at this place and she gets involved in, in, in the program that was going to be guided over that period of time. He went off and did his walking. And then one evening... He just so happens to walk into the chapel. And the testimony in this book was that as he walked into the chapel, he could no longer stand. Nobody else in there. But the presence of God was so tangible, he felt that he needed to fall to his knees. The manifest presence of God. He fills places as well as he fills people. You see, it's not just about knowing about. It's about an encounter with. 
And these guys had an encounter with God. They weren't satisfied with what uh, they had heard. They wanted more. And it's very much like the encounter that the disciples had. I don't know if you remember this. There's a, uh, in, in Mark chapter 6, there's a situation where um, I think 5,000 have just been fed with a, a small child's uh, lunch. And um, Jesus sends the disciples off across the lake. And they're heading across the lake and a storm comes. And these, these words are uh, very, very familiar with us, I'm sure. Um, Jesus saw that the disciples were straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. Like you do. And he was about to pass by them. Two are walking along a road heading to Emmaus and Jesus is going to walk on by And they said, no, would you come and stay? Would you come and spend time? The day is late. And this just seems to be what Jesus does. It looks like he's going to go on by. Which means to each and every one of us, when you're sensing his presence with you, don't allow him to go on by. Invite him in. I want to spend more time with you. With the disciples in the boat, it was a sense of they were trying with all of their strength to do what they needed to do. When actually all they needed to do was invite Jesus in. You don't have to work at it. It's about invitation. And the invitation is come. And when Jesus is with us, then we find that everything that we need to do will be done. Luke 24 continues with these words. When they was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together. It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. How awesome is that? The one whose body has been broken is now breaking the bread and it's making it all come to life. It's like suddenly as he was explaining everything, light bulbs were coming on in 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 their minds. And now as as he's uh, breaking the bread, their hearts were warmed. Have you ever had a heartwarming moment? It's not indigestion. One of those moments when you just say, I know this is the Lord. I remember the first time that I invited uh, a couple of uh, Mormons into my house to have a chat. And we were talking... um, these are the, 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 the missionaries from the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I, I was talking to them about having an encounter with God. And, and they used this scripture to say they know they are right because their hearts were warmed when the scriptures were shared with them. It's an encounter. 
now I would believe their encounter is slightly skewed, but uh, it's an encounter that we have where God affirms us and reminds us that he is with us. This is the Apostle Paul's prayer. He prays that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. That warming of the heart, that sensing that it's not about just knowledge, it's about encounter. And it's making sure that those encounters that we have with the Lord are grasped hold of. Don't allow him to walk by. Stop for a while and ask him to stay. One of the resources that I found very, very helpful when I was a young Christian was a book. Well, it's actually more like a pamphlet. It's called My Heart, Christ's Home. Has anybody ever read this, seen this? It, it's really cheap on Amazon at the moment. I think it was about like 90p or something, plus £2.49 posting packing or something like that. But uh, My Heart, Christ's Home, just to encourage you, what the writer does, and I'm not going to give you the whole story, what the writer does, he says this, he says, Think of your heart as a house. And that in your relationship with Jesus, you are inviting Jesus into your house. And as Jesus comes into your house, you uh, start to travel around room to room to room. And, you know, you're, you're in, the, in the kitchen. And there's that conversation with Jesus about how people are built up and fed and nourished and Jesus talks about how you can nourish people. And then you go into another room, which is like a, a, a I don't know, um, let's say the, the garage, the tool shed, the, the workshop. And there, there's a, an explanation about gifts and abilities that God gives to us. And he goes around from room to room to room. It's far better than I'm explaining it. There's a point when he walks down the hallway, and down the hallway there's a cupboard under the stairs. And the person who's escorting Jesus doesn't want Jesus to look in the cupboard under the stairs but Jesus is insistent will you allow me to look and as they open the cupboard of all the lovely things in the house and all the space and the light in this cupboard under the stairs was all the yucky stuff all the sin stuff all the stuff that God still wants to deal with in this person's life and as ashamed as this individual was, you know, as soon as the light of Christ came into this part of the person's heart, transformation started. But the key thing for me, which I thought was absolutely brilliant about this story, was the fact that um, there was a, an agreement made. The agreement was between Jesus and this individual that they would meet in the drawing room every morning early 
And it started off brilliantly. Every morning early, the individual would go down and there was Jesus sat in the chair. The fire was roaring and he would open the scriptures and they would talk together. And it was absolutely captivating. But as time went on, other things came along that started to derail those times. And a morning was missed, and then a few mornings were missed, and then a week was missed, and then a month was missed. And then one morning early, the individual comes down the stairs and notices the light on in the drawing room. And as he goes to the door, he starts to push it open, and he sees Jesus sitting there, waiting And he asks the question, have you been here every morning? And Jesus says, that was our agreement. That I would meet you here every morning. So I've been here every morning for you. And this guy turns around and says, I am so sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. And this is what the author writes. He says, Jesus' response The trouble with you is this. You have been thinking of a quiet time of the Bible study and the prayer time as a factor in your own spiritual progress. But you have forgotten that this hour means something to me too. It's not about us getting but it's recognizing that our Lord wants to meet with us too. His desire is that we should encounter him. Don't walk on by. That's what I wanted to say this morning. Don't walk on by. Recognize that we can invite Jesus into a deeper place of intimacy with us and he responds. He wants to be with us. And he recognizes that it's not just for our benefit. He desires to fellowship with us. Let's stand together. Lord, we just stand in your presence this morning. And we say, forgive us. Forgive us for when we have walked on by. Forgive us where we have neglected to spend time in your presence and invite you to speak into our lives. Where we have rushed from here to there and not taken time just to sit and be still with you. We want to pray, Lord, that as we go from here today, that you would help us to rethink our encounters with you. That we will be sensitive to your Holy Spirit's leading and guiding. That when we sense that you are saying something or leading us in a certain direction, we would be obedient and respond so that we may grow in our relationship with Christ. And so show the world around us that just as these two on the road to Emmaus realized, you are alive. In Jesus' name, amen.